Hello and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. My name is Steve Yoss and welcome back to the office, everybody. Uh, in today's podcast, we are going to be looking at CES 2022 and I am joined today by my good friends and colleagues, Randy Johnston, Ward Blatch and Brian Tankersley. Uh, we're going to get into the content here in a minute, but in today's presentation, we're going to be examining some of the latest and greatest tech that have popped up uh, at this recent CES, which just occurred over here in the last week or so. We did a similar conversation about a year ago uh, for CES 2021, where we looked at 2021's latest and greatest tech, and it's still a lot of great things in that presentation are still matriculating and making their way here uh, today. And if you uh, enjoyed our presentation, please make sure you go ahead and check out the first edition of this on cpetoday.com. As a reminder, our conversation podcast today is eligible for CPE credit. If you are a financial professional and you'd like to get credit for today's class, you can go ahead and do so. After watching or listening, head on over to cpetoday.com. Our course code today is CES1. You'll complete a four, uh, sorry, a five question quick quiz and then earn a certificate for your attendance here today. In fact, if you're a new listener or watcher to the CPE Today podcast, you can get a credit for free on us. Pick whatever class you'd like, maybe this class or something else, and use coupon code one free podcast to check out for a free podcast credit of your choosing. All righty, without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right into our presentation material. If you're interested in learning more about the actual presenters here, uh, please check out the Associated Learning Materials to learn more about Randy, Ward, Brian, or myself. But Randy, why don't we go ahead and flip it over to you and introduce yourself, and uh, why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about where CES was this year and what it is for um, this particular show and its impact. Well, thank you, Steve. And it's so good to be back with you and my other friends, Ward and Brian. Uh, you know, it's been a year since we did our last CES podcast for CPE Today. Consumer Electronic Show this year was held January 3 through 7. And it was in both Las Vegas and held virtually because of the uh, endemic pandemic uh, Omicron spread. There were about 2,200 exhibitors, uh, about 200 canceled, and about 200 added in. Traditionally, uh, CES has had about 170,000 attendees the last time Ward, Brian, and I attended in person in 2020, uh, sorry, 2019, that was the actual number. Yeah. And as it turns out, this year, uh, the reports are between 40 and 45,000 live attendees. There were a lot of press events, uh, a lot of announcements that are notable. It's actually part of the reason for today's uh, podcast. And in fact, there were five major trends that were spotted by other writers. Among those are included the uh, effect of the pandemic on the event, as well as the uh, notable increase of electronic vehicles, the further uh, release of goggles. Ward and I have talked about that a little bit. It might be the tipping year for uh, those types of things. And that there's also other uh, technologies were there, but one of the biggest ones, frankly, were all the variety of TVs, uh, processors, and so forth. Uh, I have not seen a preponderance of announcements like this at an event in a long time. The TV and laptop announcements alone were over the top, but as you'll learn here in just a minute, there were about a hundred different CPU chips released by the big boys of Intel and AMD and uh, Qualcomm. So Ward and Brian, uh, other key comments that you might make about the, this year's event? 
Um, I didn't go. I did it virtually. I'm um, in Canada, so they told us that we shouldn't travel outside of the country, so I did not. Uh, I would have liked to have been there. I think it would, it's a better experience to do it in person to actually see that uh, gear. And I think the things we've got scheduled to talk about today does a nice coverage of what uh, everybody, what I thought was uh, worthwhile picking up from CES this year. Yeah, it makes good sense. So, Brian, what other things were you thinking were a pretty big deal? I know you you will talk about like the John Deere seeing spray, which was a heck of a deal. In fact, John Deere's announcements in general, I thought were impressive. You know, I think the the thing that we all have to remember is that is that in is that I guess development and improvement does continue to happen, even though we've had a pandemic, even though many in many cases we feel like we haven't done a whole lot in the last year and a half or so. Um, we have people have been moving things forward, however, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to get these things immediately. Um, I, you know, the supply chain problems that existed are still endemic and you know I. I I'm I'm looking at you know, Ward and I were talking before we started about both of us being interested in buying a new computer and um, replacing some of our existing hardware and we're just not doing it right now simply because of the supply chain issues and the related impact on the prices of the hardware, um, you know, so, you know, again, it's it, there's new stuff, new stuff out there and we're excited about it, but um, you know, let's not let's not go out and plan on buying it just immediately, I guess, is what I would say. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Steve, I know that you have tried to watch on this as well. Are there other things that you uh, might add before we ask our first question of the day? You know, uh, historically, I would say is that uh, CES has been, you know, the playground for all the new upcoming technologies. Uh, as an overall conference, it's really interesting to see things change. You know, you have these uh, this has been around forever, you know, but given the impact of, of COVID and other things, um, I don't know what the impact will be of this, you know, kind of this particular event, you know, in future years, you know, just considering it seems that most people are doing announcements now year round, you know, not just waiting for a big event, just like this yeah, any longer. But makes, makes sense. Well, you know, I think with that in mind, it's probably just a time to ask that first uh, CPE question. And uh, I think that should be available now. Uh, so which of these were announced at this year's CES? 12th gen Intel Core processor, the AMD Ryzen 6000, the Radeon 6800, or all of the above. And it turns out the major vendors were out there in force. So Intel, AMD, and Radeons uh, were all kind of the talk of the town this time around. So while you're thinking about your response on that, uh, you know, I guess I might just uh, have a question for, you know, the group here. Uh, I know we both, uh, both, we all watched the Intel and AMD presentations and Qualcomm presentations. What would you say about the big vendors here? You know, I think that uh, the Qualcomm the Qualcomm chips are going to be still a backup for Windows. Um, you know, we we are seeing and we are expecting to see Macs pick up more of the Apple Silicon that's based on the Qualcomm and ARM chips. Um, very excited about the new Intel and AMD um, chips. Um, I think the um, the one the thing I'm most excited about are the um, are the utility cores versus the um, versus the performance cores uh, that 
that Intel implemented in the 12th gen core chips. Um, you know, I, I, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm hesitant to get too excited about it just because I don't know how long it's going to be before I can get it. Yeah, understood <laughs> on that. So Ward, I know you and I have talked about this as well. So what was your thinking? I just thought uh, for Intel, it was just, uh, you know, a regular year for them. Uh, but for AMD, um, what they've done with uh, video on their chip and what they yeah. have done with uh, security on their chip, and the fact that they're able to regulate the power consumption of the regular chips without having to have supplementary uh, low power units. Uh, the approach that Intel took is, uh, to me, a very attractive overall approach. And at this point, when I was looking to build a new machine this year, uh, you know, earlier, uh, end of last year is the dates I'm looking for, I... I wanted to get a Radeon, but I couldn't because they didn't have USB 4. And now they have USB 4, which was the thing I was waiting for. And that, But they also made their video better, their security better. The chips are a lot faster than they used to be. I mean, it's just an overall win-win for them. And I think it really might be time uh, for us to really start to consider AMD as maybe the better chip pick uh, when we're looking at either a laptop or a desktop. Yeah. You know, uh, of course, we do tech update for K2, uh, and I've written that material for some time. And last year was the first year I'd recommended AMD as my lead supplier. Uh, and I've used them in the past, but, you know, it was clear yet yeah, last year they were ahead. And I think this year emphasized it even more in preparing tech update for this year and beyond. It was also clear that Apple, unless they do something radical, is falling behind in their technologies. Uh, even with the M1 Pro and other pieces that they have in their, uh, you know, kit right now, uh, until they get M2 out you know, it's real clear there's a differential there. And uh, the whole impact of Thunderbolt 4 also became clear. So, you know, it looks like uh, the correct answer on this is all of the above, by the way. So I think most of you have come in that, you know, 12th gen cores and AMD's Ryzen 6000 Radeons all came into play. But Ward, you have your list. And that's what we actually decided to try to do was put together a few lists along the way of uh, you know what really works so do you mind speaking to a few of your items and i know we've got a few pictures to support some of this but i think we've got uh you know our big list kind of in play yeah okay uh the first one uh there is that uh, thinkbook uh 13x and it's a great looking notebook but the thing that i found impressive about it was it has actually little pins on the bottom of it that uh, go on a charging plate and it just looks like a little strip that goes on your desk. What I like about it, it's in that uh, shot that's on the screen there now uh, behind the item on the right. It also has a QI charging plate on it. If you think about uh, what you need to plug into a computer today, it's really just power. We have uh, yeah. wireless networks. We have wireless mice. We have wireless keyboards. We have wireless printers. We have wireless monitors. Uh, so this means that you would walk into an your office uh, or, I think, really nice in a boardroom. No wires. Just set the thing down sure. and uh, you've got your power and everything's ready to go. 
The next one on my list is the ViewSonic 17-inch uh, portable gaming monitor. It's still a 1080p monitor. What I liked about uh, it, though, was that nice size 17-inch. They still have their... Um, Six, uh, 15.6, they call it the 16-inch uh, portable display, which I still am very keen on. And the big one with that, of course, is uh, the touch capabilities. I think it'd be a very inexpensive way for us to get uh, digital ink capabilities, even in a desktop configuration. So a good, great solution there. The next one on my list is the shocks. I've been using these for several years now. I find they're great out uh, for a walk or a bike ride. Uh, they are a bone um, transfer of sound. And so there's nothing in your ear. I find them far more comfortable than something like I have on here. What's today. the sound quality like on that word? So that's the big thing and the new announcement. There's the Open Run Pro, significant improvement in audio. In fact, you may even want to listen to music on them now. Uh, oh. For me, I listen primarily to podcasts. So Good man. A case of where you'd like to have uh, been able to actually put them on and listen to music uh, at CES. But uh, worthwhile to look at. They also introduced the OpenCom, which is open ear set with a boom mic on it, uh, which would make a big improvement. The other uh, next item on my list is the um, MiniStack STX. This is a really interesting docking station. Uh, in addition to providing the docking station capabilities, it also gives you space to put in two hard drives, a standard uh, SSD and an MVME drive. So I thought that was a nice little combination there, a great way for us to get maybe additional storage and performance uh, out of one of our machines, especially uh, with it being a USB 4 or Thunderbolt compatible. For the note there on the Jabber, for me, it's not so much the headsets, uh, earbuds um, that were of interest, but uh, the Google Fast Pair. And this gives us some really nice capabilities on our Android phones that are compatible with instant pairing. You just have to have your device set to pair and be near your Android phone, and it picks it up and uh, automatically connects you. What's really fascinating is it's connected with your Google account. So when you go to a new device, all of your devices that you paired previously will be there for you. And for portable power, uh, Anchor has really brought up uh, the size of these devices from 97 watt hours all the way up to 778 watt hours. A really great way to get great standby power and a relatively affordable box. Uh, the 778 watt is uh, $700 as an example. I've always felt like the uh, Anchor brand is, I mean, I don't know where they came from originally, but then I bought one Anchor device and I was like, this is really good i bought one yeah, of the power bricks and then yeah. now like i don't even buy, mind that they cost more because i mean they last forever they're really quality build and their chargers seem to work better than any charger on the market i have and absolutely have absolutely beat my anchor equipment to death and it continues to work great yeah. And we found Anchor originally at one of the earliest CESs that we were at, and they had all sorts of sure. innovative uh, uh, items. And so, yeah, they, they're just one of those vendors that quietly gets the job done, as I would yeah. see it. So, so Ward, I think you've got some other very interesting, uh, just, yeah. I'll uh, call them next stuff. <laughs> 
Uh, the next one was, I just couldn't get over every product they talked about AI, including rice makers. <laughs> like, I just couldn't get over that. Like, nobody had a product announcement that wasn't AI uh, compatible. Oh, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And for robots, uh, the Labrador Retriever is basically a little cart that drives around. What's nice about it is it does have adjustable height capabilities. And there are special uh, fridges and shelving components where I it can actually yeah. go to the unit and take the things out of the fridge or, or off the shelf uh, to roll around to bring to someone else. So um long way to go before it's what we think of but you know it is sort of a very rudimentary thing to carry stuff around well and you know it's not rosy and the jetsons we get that but i yeah. was i was actually impressed because it was not the you know we're watching sports events bring me a beer thing it was the hey we're physically uh, unable right. to worry wait on ourselves and it yeah. gives somebody in their home independence and that concept yeah. by itself was worthwhile because boy, I hope I never get to that point, but there are people who are, and I think that thing can actually work. Yeah, I definitely, and when, when I first started to look at it, I couldn't help but think that really what they needed to do is put a vacuum cleaner on the bottom of it to really finalize the whole thing. Uh, my uh, niece got my parents a uh, one of those uh, robotic vacuum cleaners, and that meaning it's a big help to them and uh, they find it works great. So, um, you know, they could have stuck a vacuum cleaner on the bottom of that, I think would have made an interesting little addition to it because it does have all that same sort of tech, you know, uh, object avoidance, etc. The next one from spooky action. This is uh, well, it's spooky. It's called the telelift. And what it actually will do is provide you with a cell phone tower in the form of a drone. So in emergency situations, That's awesome. uh, these can be hooked up and provide cell towers in places where they're not available. But, you know, not just emergency situations, you can think of a construction location or other areas where it'd be good to have yeah. proper cell phone coverage on a temporary basis. These drones are actually wired to the ground. Uh, so to give you the throughput that you need and also to provide it power so it can stay up in the air for extended periods of time. Really interesting uh, use of a drone, I thought. Yeah, and you know, they're claiming that they could get one uh up in two to four hours and yeah. provide cell force cell phone service in an emergency situation it was very interesting uh you know and you know you look at how drones are getting used uh, today the practical applications just seem to expand so that was pretty fascinating and it's very much like your next key point there award because when i saw the solder getting laid down on uh paper plastic and other materials that was something else yeah and it really means that the restrictions we've really had with a lot of this stuff is everything's going on these very firm hard square flat boards and this soldering technology would allow you to solder on a curve uh, which means that 
the design of our products will dramatically be able to change because that has really been a big problem. Having to stick this board inside of something instead of just using the case itself uh, and doing the soldering on that. So I'm really hopeful that this will be a successful venture for this company. Uh, I really should buy shares in it, to be honest with you, because if it is successful, it will be uh, a huge game changer. Yeah, when think we- of every product that has a board in it now, the board could be removed and it done right on the casing. Yeah. And, you know, the Pulse Forge guys, when they were demonstrating that, it was amazing how much flexibility it had and yeah. uh, how the contacts worked to, to light the LEDs. And so, I mean, it was a technical demonstration that was almost as good, Brian, as the one we saw a few years back where they had panels that plug together, you know, in the gigahertz range to, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that was a fantastic technical demonstration. This one was equally as fantastic this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's really, it is a game changer because we've really been stuck soldering the same way for as long as I can remember. Sure. Mm-hmm. The next one is sort of a fun little thing. It's a, a speaker that, beams the sound to your ears and your ears only. So no one else hears what you're listening to. Um, So when an office or having a meeting or watching TV or playing a game, only you hear the sound. It's done on a little box uh, out in front of you. It tracks your head movements to see where it needs to send that sound beam. And it means that there's no more wearing headsets to be able to hear great sound. So um, I would have loved to have tried this. Unfortunately, virtually it wasn't possible to do it, but I did like the concept of it. Yeah, and, last... the, and the demonstration on that ward, by the way, where the, the, the representative of the company was probably no more than two foot away from the interviewer, who was a pretty brilliant guy too. Yeah. But they directed it at the interviewer and he could hear and, you know, turned it around and it was just that small gap. And it was like, wow. Because the interviewer was amazed he could hear it and then not hear it when the redirection was done. And, you know, I like you, man, I'd love to have have been able to try that or ask for a, you know, a sample and, you know, send it to my home so I can try it out extended time. Yeah, that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? Yeah. The next one is kind of a fun little thing. Uh, What three words? I'd actually heard of these people prior to CES, but every uh, three meter square, AKA 10 foot square on the planet is identified with three words. And it just makes it easier to tell people where you are instead of trying to give you, give them some other kind of description. Um, I can see this being used by a lot of different uh, businesses to be able to identify precisely where they want an employee to go, for example, by using this simple uh, technique. So interesting to see how they go forward uh, with the pre- with the product. Uh, they're looking to integrate it in a lot of different uh, services. Yeah, so and the, every, everything's represented by one, three words, right? So like the Empire State Building here is trying vibes ruled. And that would just yep. tell people, man, I, I, okay, my, my background, my graduate work is in geospatial analytics. So I've dealt with Latin long forever. And 
telling people how many hours and minutes and seconds, you know, I'm just trying to think about how, how much easier. I don't know why I didn't think of that. That's brilliant. Yeah. If uh, you were to, you know, go to uh, satellite imagery there and, and look at example, for example, your house, you could identify the location at the front of the house or the back of the house or the side of the house. Uh, so really an interesting way to give somebody an address instead of having to tell them, um, you know, I'm at the corner of, what is that West 34th and fifth Avenue? Well, where the blazes is that you could tell yeah. them those three words and give them that exact location. That is really interesting. Yeah. And it's so yeah. much better than the, you know, the SpaceX Starlink plus codes, you know, where know. you're trying to, those are actually Googles. Those aren't Starlinks. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know they're actually Googles, but I mean, that's where you see them and it's yeah. like, Holy moly yeah. friends. But so this whole idea is very cool too. And then that, I guess, brings you more to your last one. Yeah, my uh, father recently got hearing aids. and My mother-in-law recently got hearing aids, and they tend not to wear them because they don't like the look of them. These things here virtually go into your, uh, hear, uh, your canal, and there's just a tiny little thing that sticks out to pull the thing back out. They're rechargeable. It lasts up to 16 hours, and they're about to half the price of a normal hearing aid. So if your hearing loss is of the right type uh, that this can help you with, uh, I'd encourage sure. you to have a look at those. I just noticed, you know, just the struggling that they do to replace the batteries and the yeah. hearing aids uh, instead of like a set of AirPods, dropping them in a rechargeable case and uh, charging them up that way. Yeah. In fact, the rechargeable case will give you up to five days of charging. And I mean, people that people that aren't familiar with the price of hearing aids, I mean, my father's hearing aids are $5,000 and those are relatively inexpensive in their world. Um, and it's not covered by most Medicare plans. So it's, yeah. um, it's yeah. a pretty significant amount of coin. Yeah. So these are 1500 to $3,000. Yeah, exactly. It's a great deal. When you compare the big boys, which Brian and I in prior CES trips have spent time with a, a client of mine, Otacon out of Denmark, which makes beautiful hearing aids or their major competitor Siemens, you know, those two, uh, you know, big companies have done a lot of work in hearing aids and Bluetooth enablement at the phone and adjustments and so forth. And uh, the audiologists are brilliant people. I've learned a lot hanging around with them, but this one attracted me too. And gosh, it might be because anytime now, uh, yeah, I could be a candidate, you know what they say. All right. Well, you know, it's probably uh, time for us to maybe consider getting in another um question there steve so you can kind of control that we haven't talked about the um computers yet at this point but uh the question is maybe a little tricky you know which of these were new this year the lenovo thinkbook plus gen 3 the hp elite dragonfly chromebook the dell xps 13 or the viewsonic 15 inch portable monitor now, we're going to go into a section here where we talk about a lot of this computer gear, but all of these sound fairly innovative, but it turns out there's only one right answer in this particular case. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the various uh, devices that we each liked, and uh, we'll hit my list next, as it turns out. But, you know, uh, Ward, I'm going to put you on the spot first, and then we'll kind of go around the horn and let the other guys uh, speak up as well. But, you know, you've told us that you really like the, uh, 
you know, the 13 X and so forth. But did you have a particular computer that just lit your clock here for CES? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure I'd ever buy one, uh, but it was uh, the uh, Asus Zenbook 17 fold. Yeah. We're going to show that here in a minute and that's a fine. In fact, uh, thanks Steve for driving that. Cause it's a, an interesting uh, notebook that will actually, since we've got the moment, why don't you just speak to that Ward? Well, it's a foldable display, so you can snap the keyboard on, on half of it uh, to have it act like a regular laptop, or you can fold it out like shown in the, in the uh, image there on the screen and have that detach the keyboard detached and have access to it. I like the idea of it being nice and compact for 17 inch, um, the thought of carrying around a 17 inch laptop is just not attractive to me whatsoever uh, where this is well it's almost half the size because it folds in half <laughs> yeah well in fact yeah. uh, you don't know ward well but uh, and i through the years i've got to know a few of his uh, i'll call them oddities ward when you travel but he's he can get out for a whole week in a single bag carry on on a reach jet including all the computer equipment, clothes and everything else. And he does change clothes every day. So, you know, that's actually a benefit too, but he is a very efficient packer. So uh, it's kind of amazing as opposed to my good friend, Brian here, who is, follows the boy scout rule. He's always prepared, but Brian, what was your favorite uh, computer? You know, you know, I think I, I liked the Zen book fold quite a bit, uh, you know, for business purposes, I'd probably lean toward the Lenovo ThinkPad Z series laptops. Uh, just because they looked they looked very very interesting um, you know they you've got um, 13 and 16 inch models so I tend toward liking a 13 inch model just so it fits in the bag easily yeah uh, but you've got the 16 for those that are that are not as mobile as I am uh, you've got a full HD uh, camera you've got an OLED display uh, they have the new Microsoft Pluton uh, technology you know I, I will say that um, I will say that this is probably what's headed toward my um, my briefcase, uh, probably back half of 2022. Um, you know, I, I think this is probably the direction I'm headed in at this point. Yeah, and as uh, you know, our various uh, listeners and viewers might be able to see, this was a laptop, uh, which by the way, was one of my two favorites. I'll just call that out. Uh, was supposed to be available in the... Uh, uh, April timeframe from the vendor, but it was co-designed by AMD and Lenovo. So they put in the latest, hottest, you know, uh, Ryzen's and Radeon's, but they also put in a new security method in AMD. Well, we won't talk about that today, but it's very sophisticated, as Ward alluded to earlier. Uh, the camera and OLED display in it is pretty good. The haptic touchpad is very interesting. The audio is good. And it also uses the new Microsoft Pluton, which again, we won't talk about today, but having done research on Pluton and its benefits on both Microsoft Azure and Windows 11, and so on and on and on, Pluton is a big deal as it turns out. So I can understand, Brian, why you'd pick that. So uh, Steve, do you, do you have a favorite find? I think you guys uh, nailed it right on the on the top. Uh, I've been a, uh, a Lenovo converter uh, with the Think series here, and uh, I'll probably end up getting probably one of these, either the Z13 or the 16. I think I'd probably go with a little bit bigger one. Um, one of the things I will point out 
that is really important to know is the like these computers are not just lightweight duty machines. I mean, some of these newer Lenovo, I mean, they have up to 128 gigabytes of memory on a notebook computer now, which is just incredible if you think about just where we started and where we are today. Well, and, now, now remember though, if you if you get that, you're going to also have the ten thousand dollar price on it too. Yeah, yeah. And your point is, <laughs> I just looked. The cheapest one you can get is thirty nine hundred bucks, but they average about six thousand dollars for a laptop, yeah. which is incredible. But yeah. just saying, the fact they could fit that all into something you know that's an inch thick and weighs four pounds is incredible. Um, you know, it's just very optimistic on where this technology is going to go in the future. But for me, I'm going to say any. I, I I'm sold on the AMD processors. I think that's definitely the way to go. Well, and the thing there, Steve, that you're trying to point out, which again, we're not showing performance stats and all that today, that darn Z13 or Z16 will outperform most people's desktops today. Yep. Uh, you know, even on the high-end desktops, which is phenomenal. So, you know, coming around to me then, I've got a real simple answer to this. And so I actually will pick the HP Elite Dragonfly G3 as the other notable uh, piece on this. If, if you really want to stay in the Intel family, uh, it complies with the new Evo standard. It's a 12th gen Intel processor. And of course, it has, uh, you know, a very interesting configuration of SSDs uh, and NVMe drives. Plus, it's got all the latest Wi-Fi 6E and Bluetooth low energy, and it can do 5G connections. Plus, it has two Thunderbolt 4 ports. And in my mind, the Thunderbolt 4 uh, is a superset of all Bluetooth technology and so forth. So that has some advantages. The other thing that's interesting to note is the 16 by 9 uh, format standard, which has been around for quite a while from the 4 by 3 a lot of vendors converted to 16 by 10s including the Lenovo that we were just looking at and this G3 and so forth. So the screen sizes, they's a change in, and it's a little subtle thing, but we're going to go from 16 to nine to maybe 16, but 10 is what it seems like a lot of the vendors are doing. And you guys fix me if I'm wrong on that. But the other thing I like about this is the brightness. The thousand nit brightness is attractive. And, uh, you know, laptops, we, you know, through the years, we've taught people to, you know, look for 400 and then 500 nit brightness. And now you can get a thousand nits uh, in these laptops, which is a, a pretty big deal. So, uh, you know, when I'm weighing it out, uh, we're going to have to see how that all plays out. But this product is also scheduled to ship in the April timeframe. And Brian is correct that it's a bit of an issue to know what the supply chain is going to look like. So I guess to make sure that we've got this right, we should close up that poll question, which has been open. Uh, you know, which of these were new? Well, it turns out the only one that was truly new was the Lenovo ThinkBook Plus Gen 3. Now, there were announcements made uh, on the uh, Dragonfly for the G3, but not on the Chromebooks. So that was kind of a trick question. There were announcements made on the Dell XPS 13 
but not this particular model. It was the Plus. And of course, the ViewSonic monitor, Brian's been carrying one of those for some time, uh, the old 15 inches, which are fine products, but boards like me, that, that larger 17 inch, it's pretty attractive too. So, so the only correct answer, as it turns out, was the Lenovo ThinkBook Plus Gen 3. And Steve, I appreciate you bringing up those top portable computers because the Asus ROGs were all uh, quite good. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Fold a little bit, but the Alienware uh, machine uh, I dug through uh, over the weekend and prep for our time for today's podcast. I mean, I, you could take any of the 10 on this list and you'd have a good day. Well, perhaps the thing to do here is maybe just spend a moment then and, uh, you know, come back over to uh, my list for just a minute. Uh, you know, we've got Brian's list to get through, and I know our time is, is going to be tight, so I'm going to go fairly quick on mine. Um, Vuzik released digital glasses for a computer screen. Now, Lenovo did a similar release last year, and these seem to be... Uh, you know, heads up display, large monitor class product, like Ward said earlier, having, uh, I'd like to use these for a few weeks and see if they really play out like they, uh, we expect they will. Uh, both Ward and I were attracted to the big ViewSonic gaming monitor. Uh, it's worth a peek at the Odyssey Arc. Uh, one thing that I have not uh been able to determine for sure is the interface standards because I'm really looking for a Thunderbolt 4 monitor but the arc in this thing is very aggressive and you could think about uh, because they are rotatable putting these on a desk and standing the two up vertically so you'd have two monitors kind of looking down at you uh, kind of a hooded effect but you know the uh, monitor itself with the uh, uh, 55 inch length is a very strong curve. So on a big desk by itself, it's actually pretty attractive. So don't be afraid of, of that type of monitor. Of course, the I've already mentioned the Evo platform in the context of the Dragonfly Intel change to the way that they recommend things go together with the Evo piece and that includes the new 6e and you know noise suppression for audio and using 12th gen processors and of course intel introduced their graphics uh, family the arc and they have four generations of arc in the pipeline already but i think they're playing catch up right now with amd yeah. so that would be you know one thing i'd be concerned about there but the evo thinking is a very corporate standardization type of methodology and of course uh you know a number of the products that we're talking about are uh, you know arc based but hands down the amd cpus and graphics cards the radions those are uh absolutely the winners when it comes to processors but another piece that i really liked was the samsung freestyle the freestyle is a portable projector it's really intended to be used uh you know wherever including the, the demonstrations where they had it on outdoor camper projections, like you might do a movie night in the neighborhood or, you know, uh, Steve out in your RV as you're going around the country, that type of deal. But it's less than two pound projector. Uh, it'll run movie length off of a single battery, which is optional. Uh, 1080p, it's got a rotating piece. It's a little hard to see in that picture, but it basically can be tilted 180 degrees any direction 
along the way. Another piece that's interesting is the, uh, maybe it's gimmicky, is the TP-Link uh, wireless access point. The antenna basically will focus on the direction where you know, signal's coming from, so one could think about that. And then last but not least probably was some of the EV announcements, uh, the Silverado trucks, the updates in the Bright Drop family, uh, which we'd, you know, talked about through last year's presentations. Uh, it's kind of a big deal. Plus, the, uh, the BMW uh, flow basically has a paint that can be changed on demand. So the paint is continuously adjustable. So there's not a question of what color do you want your car? It's what color do you want your car today? Because the thing is dynamically changeable with an e-ink type of approach. But just as interesting was the Sony Vision SO2. That's the second generation of the Sony car currently on the roadways in Europe. So they are testing that at uh, great length right now. And, uh, but you know, the Silverado truck, I actually, you know, brought my wife in to make sure she could see it because it was her color of blue in the demonstrations. And I said, you know, here's just the truck you need, dear. A full electric truck that'll do you know 400 miles on a charge and all that i'm i'm sure that's in her future you know, it's interesting it it's interesting the the 400 mile vehicles because my gas vehicle doesn't do 400 miles on a tank of gas yeah and you know the other thing i liked was the uh, 10 or 12 plugins that you can run you know um, ac power powered tools off the truck and you can charge yeah. another ev from the truck and frankly, the work truck, which is available later in the year at $37,000. That's pretty that's a good. Pr that's yeah. a pretty, pretty fair price for a bloody truck. And then the towing capacities and all the other things that go with it. Yeah. And that is a question because actually, to Brian's point, uh, you know, we've got a picture for you to see of the supply chain problems. And, uh, you know, this was obviously uh, an illustration of what the heck is going on. But, Brian, I don't want to yeah, take so, it away from you because you've, yeah, so, you've got a list and explanation, too. Yeah, so this is the Kentucky Speedway's parking lot. And so they've actually got it full of trucks where they don't have the adequate chips to finish them. So there's there was a significant earthquake and oh, no, it was a fire, excuse me, uh, that occurred in, in Southeast Asia at one of the foundries that makes most of the chips that are used in the automotive industry. And as a result, um, people just had to stop making vehicles. Uh, so, you know, and it wasn't very early this year that um, that Ford had to just stop making the electric Mustangs, even though there was huge demand for it. Um, I know that uh, my 2019 Forerunner is worth more than I paid for it now, uh, because even though I've been driving it, because uh, the supply and demand is so out of so out of whack for used versus new vehicles at this point. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, interesting times for sure. It is. And in fact, the lead time, Brian, you and I have talked about on the chips, mm -hmm. because it's pretty clear that the lead time problems are not going to be uh, yeah, remedied so, anytime soon. In fact, uh, some of the presenters suggest 2025 for the foundries to come online. So what the press is saying about the chip things getting resolved here in 2022, I don't think that's so no. as granddaughter Aurora would say that not be the plan. 
No, I, I mean, when you look at this, you can see that from October 2020 to, um, again, to September of 2021, we basically doubled the lead time in weeks from 11 to about 22. Um, the thing, the other thing happening here is that we still have kind of a trade war going on between the U.S. and China, even though it's kind of uh, simmering as opposed to being a rolling boil as it was um, during the previous administration. Uh, so as a result, more of the fabs are being built outside of China, uh, which is creating all kinds of political risk surrounding this as well. So um, it's it's very interesting to see how this stuff's going to come out. Uh, but you know, I have a I have a, a device in my in my home network uh, that's a home email server, and I I had a one year delay on it because there were a few chips that they just couldn't get and they couldn't get manufactured, and so I had paid for it in advance, and I was sitting there waiting, 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 and it was more than a year late uh, past the due date so well, interesting Brian, times it is and i know your list is very interesting too because you've got a, a you know a different take on this than ward and i had yeah so so yeah and, and here, here's my list you know the the thing i would say about it first off is that there are new intel and amd chips and i always tell people to try to stick with the latest generation or the immediately previous generation at the absolute minimum here okay so um, if you're going to buy a new computer, uh, you know, at this point, you're looking at 12th or 11th gen Intel or 6th or 5th gen AMD um, as you're thinking about it in here. And I think that's that's still good advice uh, for most folks. Um, Wi-Fi 6E is starting to starting to make its appearance. And so it is make it is out, but it is still bleeding edge. You know, one of the things I found interesting that uh, Randy shared in a previous in our in our podcast we do for CPA Practice Advisor was that Dell doesn't put new features on their enterprise lines until about a year after they it's actually come out, so they can work out all the kinks and everything in it. And so I think you know the consumer the consumer and gaming market is going to lead with Wi-Fi 6E, but it's going to be um, it's going to be a while before this stuff's ready. So you know my ubiquity that I'm looking for i'd be surprised if it's available any earlier than the first of 2023 you know for a wi-fi 6e in my ubiquity world um the next thing i've got here is i've actually got a slide on this if you could uh, launch it uh stephen um and it, it's the john deere see and spray uh, technology. So this is a technology that uses video, and you can actually mute this if you don't mind. It's it's just got uh, it's just got some instrumental music in the background. But just go ahead and start it. It's about a minute and a half, and uh, again, just mute it. But the idea behind this is that we have we individually apply pesticides on an exception basis. So in the past, we used to apply pesticides to the entire field in a uniform fashion. In this now, we're using cameras to go in and um, and spray and so that the cameras can actually identify specific weeds so we can again as you're as you're looking through here it will the cameras will learn and use ai along with computer vision to identify specific weeds uh, here's one called pigweed and so then it will it will uh, target those things with the proper amount of individually applied pesticide as opposed to having to having to spray the entire field 
So it just makes things much more sustainable. And again, it also gives you data on what weeds they're actually, you're actually seeing so that you can then make, make better decisions going forward. Uh, you know, I worked in the agricultural engineering shop at UC Davis in the late 80s, and it was amazing the stuff they were doing then. Um, it just absolutely blows my mind, though, to see the things that deer and some of the others yeah. are doing uh, with, with this technology. So, you know, the self-driving tractors that deer also introduced and that yeah. have been in production and the safety mechanisms they had about it, uh, you know, deer is going to wind up being talked about by us frequently throughout this coming year, just like Caterpillar was in the prior year, because uh, there's so many significant changes in this uh, particular technology. Yeah. And I think that's a good transition to one of the more important things that I think we need to consider if we go back to my list is going to be right to repair uh, because deer is one of the organizations that has said that uh, only our authorized dealers should be able to do repairs on our hardware. And so that 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 right to repair, which seems to have some grassroots uh, momentum these days, um, is is something that that may change what we have. Um, so where where uh, you know companies like Apple and Deer will have to sell parts to third party vendors that maybe don't play in their in their ecosystems necessarily. Um, we have a lot of things from a regulatory perspective, and given the all of the uh, fruit basket turnover that we have currently in Congress and the and the evenly divided uh, uh, evenly divided House and Senate, uh, you know, we you just never quite know what we're going to get uh, for the next uh, at least the next year or two. Uh, but there are major initiatives around privacy, five G, right to repair, metaverses that all have to be dealt with. Um, you know, one of the things I found very interesting during the pandemic is how uh, telemedicine has become much more, much more prevalent. You know, I recently had COVID and uh, got over it. I'm actually just now getting over it. I, I got it last week and it, we're recording this on a Tuesday. And today's the first day where I'm really feeling 100 uh, percent. But the thing about the thing about that, though, is that um, I had so many opportunities for telemedicine that just didn't exist two years ago. So I can now see my doc without having to go out and do anything there. Um, I also thought the connected fitness was interesting, uh, given that it's in the new Sex in the City um, series on HBO, on, excuse me, on Cinemax. Um, so um, it's, you know, I think I think connected fitness is something that is going to have legs, um, but it's uh, I think we may have reached its peak at this point. Um, Detroit is continuing to electrify its offerings, you know, and we've talked, I talked a little bit, mentioned the electric Mustang. Uh, my sister-in-law actually has an electric Mustang and my brother-in-law has actually ordered the F-150 Lightning electric truck uh, that's supposed to be coming out. So Detroit is continuing to electrify its offerings. Uh, it's important to note, though, that the market is still is still drinking Elon's Kool-Aid. Uh, where, you know, if you look at the market cap of Tesla versus all of the legacy automakers, it's there's just no comparison. Um, we're seeing uh, more and more uh, Internet of Things and connected health initiatives. Um, we've seen I've seen uh, my I guess my my insurance plan now now is offering uh, health coaching. So they'll send you an IOT scale that will hook up to your Wi-Fi and then you're expected to weigh on it periodically and then they'll give you feedback on it. Okay, uh, if you want that feedback. I don't know if I want that feedback, but <laughs> they'll give you the feedback. Um, 
we're also seeing, you know, I, I pointed this out way back in about 2010, but, um, you know, our mobile devices have so much more computing power than they did in the past. And so um, I found it interesting, this NextPad and Next Monitor, uh, which are, um, are realistically uh, ta a tablet and a uh, dock station that you can use uh, that work with a mobile device. So you can take a mobile device or a tablet and use it more like a laptop in those scenarios. And I, you know, I, I had one of those, uh, one of those mobile devices that you could turn into a laptop probably 12, 15 years ago. Uh, but I think they really, I think, you know, with the computing power and the number of people that I see now that don't really use laptops much uh, that are, you know, Gen Z, it's pretty amazing. I, I think that's, that's an area we're going through there. Um, space is something that neither of the rest of neither of the two of you mentioned, but I think is a significant uh, game changer in here, uh, where it's not just for nation states. Uh, you know, there was actually I believe it was yesterday or last week there was the first launch of Virgin Orbit. Uh, mm -hmm. where they took a seven a 747-400 and there was a rocket on the bottom of it the uh i guess the the 747 got the rocket up to 30,000 feet and then they launched uh, eight satellites off of that uh we're also seeing we're also seeing spacex doing similar things in here now i thought we had reached you know before before sure. you go on that, Brian, go ahead. Go ahead. the the other one was the space tourism. I don't know that uh, you guys spent time on that session, but the idea that they now have a competitive space experience, which goes up for uh, about a four hour round, but it basically is not a launch. It's more of like a, a balloon ascent followed by a parachute descent. So soft up, soft down, luxury experience. And, you know, the number of space tourism uh, opportunities is going to be pretty uh, amazing. But it turns out that was kind of a big deal uh, because when they were looking at what tourism was going to be like, uh, that space tourist idea was one that I hadn't expected from this year's CES. Mm -hmm. The uh, the next thing I look at here is you know have we reached peak mask and has COVID anxiety reached its zenith? You know I, when I when I think about this you know and I say this as somebody that is currently recovering from COVID, um, it really wasn't any worse than a regular garden variety case of the flu that I had for me this time. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting, though, to see what the future of shows of big shows and big events like yeah. um, like the Consumer Electronics Show is going to be because, uh, you know, the E3 um, E3 uh, Expo um, actually, uh, I think, went virtual. And then I don't know if it's going to even make it or not at this point. So uh, some of these mega events, uh, the way they the way they go forward is going to be interesting to see where they go with it. Um, and, and that's the those are the those are the main pieces in here. You know, I talked a little bit about supply chain. You know, the new the new fabs are the new chip fabrication spots are really out there trying to attract economic development funding. So they're really um, you know you're investing literally billions of dollars in these um, cutting edge manufacturing facilities, and so we're seeing a lot of competition for those showing up. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see where those new fabs end up being built and who ends up controlling those strategic resources.
Yeah. And uh, so, Steve, I know we're going to cut you short on your opinions, but I know we need it's to all get good. Another, I know we need to get another question in and there's some other big takeaways that we need to do. So maybe this last question, uh, CES introduces hardware, software, standards or all of the above. So what do you think on that one? And guys, you've you've attended a number of times. So. Yeah. What do you think here? Well, straight up all of the above. I mean, it for years has always been the go-to show, you know, I mean, Microsoft used it to pitch and launch the Xbox, you know, uh, I think Amazon originally even came out with AWS and went to public facing, you know, at CES. I mean, it's, it's always been the, the mover and shaker conference from yeah. the latest and greatest hardware to up and coming technologies, software solutions, platforms, and more. Yeah, so I was actually uh, quite surprised that the Microsoft Pluton, you know, which is obviously, uh, you know, part of the announcements this year, was originally in the Xbox One in 2013. So it's not like it's new technology on that. I was also quite surprised at the depth of coverage of standards and the evolution of GDPR and uh, what was being done at the European Commission on privacy and so forth. So not to mention AI privacy and some of the other things. So I do think all of the above certainly seems to hit the mark. You know, I, the, thing, the thing that strikes me about it is that I've attended CES 12 years in a row. And the thing that really strikes me about it is how I am always blown away by multiple things. So there's not, you know, I, I've never come away with, eh, I don't know if I should have gone or not. You know, I, I always come away with lots of good, lots of good information and knowledge and, and seeing things certainly face-to-face -face that you just wouldn't get to see otherwise. Well, you know, so the other big takeaways here really drive this because I think something I learned about myself this year was how fast the gaming industry had advanced with over 1 billion users of games across the planet. And also the depth of cryptocurrency and blockchain, because, uh, you know, as I watched the sessions on uh, crypto, it was like, uh, yeah, I think I may not know as much as I thought I did about this and, you know, the way non-fungible tokens and, you know, blah, blah. I mean, there was just so much. And, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time on 5G, but, uh, you know, having dug through a lot of the 5G, sat through the 5G sessions and then dug through them in, in retrospect, I mean, we've got coverage in the U.S. and Canada on 5G that's really turning up finally after all this time. And, hundreds of millions of users here in the U.S. and Canada will have 5G available to them. So, uh, and then the AI pieces, man, oh man. So, uh, Ward, any other key parting thoughts here? I was surprised, uh, first of all, um, about self-driving vehicles, like on our, on our roads, how much they are going to rely on 5G, now that you've mentioned yeah, 5G. huge. Uh, so, that's an interesting little dilemma to get 5G coverage suitable to allow the car to drive by itself. I mean, a lot of their examples were on rural roads where there are no lines paved on the pavement. Well, I'm lucky to get cell phone coverage, that alone 5G coverage. So I think we have to figure out how that's going to work better. Uh, there's you know, some great 5G technology there, but we've got to get it uh, full coverage for it to be effective for something like EV. And the other uh, thing is... We 
with EV cars and self-driving is I cannot get over how some vendors, uh, let's pick on Chev and their truck, how that interior looks exactly the same as the interior of a truck you sat in today, only somebody took a, you know, a tablet and just shoved it on the dash. Agreed. Uh, you know, maybe it's got a hot glue gun to put it on there with. And I'm just not quite sure why they're, why they're not integrating it much better. For example, the EV dashboard um, in the Mercedes vehicles. I mean, that's a beautiful looking dashboard. Uh, yes, it still has a little bump because it's a big screen, but it's integrated much nicer. And I also Mercedes is talking about thousand kilometer on a charge. Uh, for those that don't know what a kilometer is, that's about 600 miles. Uh, that is really an acceptable yeah. uh, distance. You know, unfortunately, our battery technology, which was a lot of coverage at CES, still has a ways to go before it is uh, suitable in uh, climates such as here in Canada, where we do get cold weather. And if your distance uh, uh, for an EV car goes in half, uh, it means, for example, where I live, I could not actually drive to the city and home again uh, on a single charge in the winter. I could in the summer, uh, but I couldn't in the winter. So we still got some pretty big dump stumbling blocks there. I saw some great stuff about batteries, but I still think we've got a ways to go. So you think you maybe Qu Snapdragon's uh, Qualcomm Snapdragon digital chassis, where we actually get an integrated experience, may have a little bit of a leg up, huh? <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes. I don't want to yeah, put words I in think your mouth. Yeah, you know, guys, I hate to juice. rain on your parade, but I, I've got two major things that I think I think hold us back. You know, I, I, one is going to be regulation, and I think the. I think the regulations and the trade wars and the governmental environment is a very fluid world that's going to that's going to affect us to be certain. Um, another one, you know, I'm reminded of Ben Franklin, who after the Constitutional Convention said, uh, "What kind of government?" When asked, "What kind of government do you have?" and they, he said, "A republic, if you can keep it." Um, and I would say, I would echo that in saying, um, you know, we have great new technology if you can get it. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting year for those supply chain woes, but um, very excited about what we have going on. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, it's going to be a very good year for technology generally. So, Steve, it looks like we're overstaying our welcome. No, but, it's all good. Uh, it's it, such we a good conversation. We can't tell you how much we appreciate your invitation to speak with you on the podcast oh, here thank today. You. Thank you. Thank you. And that does bring us to the end. Um, just as a quick reminder, again, if you've listened and you made it all the way through, how about you get a CPE credit for your time today? Check out cpetoday.com. Today's course code is CES1. And if this is your first podcast with CPE Today in K2, how about you have it on us? You can use coupon code one free podcast to check out uh, to earn this or any other course of your choosing. Gentlemen, it is always a pleasure to spend time with you both. Thank you for your insight your expertise and sharing your experience with ces this year i know we i came away with a bunch of different technology that i look forward to checking out here in the next uh, couple of months and i know there's so much more to come you know that's a beautiful thing about tech it just gets better and better and better so thank you to all of you appreciate your time and expertise and a big thank you to all of you out there in cyberland listening and enjoying our class today so best wishes to you all thank you thank you good day take care